party people and welcome to another edition of talking during movies the podcast where we take key moments and quotes from a film to drive a conversation and joining me today the often copied never duplicated queen of laughs all the way from new york city herself ladies and gentlemen my new friend she doesn't know it yet but we're friends <laughs> miss carmen how are you hi good to have good to have me good, good to, to have me thank you for having me <laughs> my allergies are kicking in and they make me so stupid. I'm not even kidding. All the dumb things I've been doing the last few days. Well, I mean, allergy season is uh, strong here in Austin, Texas. Yeah. That nice light green dust we've got everywhere. They did kick in stronger when I got here. No yeah. Joke. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's it's yeah. it's aggressive. It's absolutely aggressive. So real quick, before we get into the nut- uh, the nuttiness of all this. Where can people find you? How do they best interact with you? All that jazz. All of my social media stuff is at Carmen Comedian. That's mostly, I mostly put stupid videos up on, with like wigs and weird stuff on TikTok, Instagram. I do a lot of Spanish stuff too, because I'm fluent in Spanish. So I post a lot of stand up um, on Instagram, Twitter, all of that, at Carmen Comedian. And then I have a podcast called The Human Centipod. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with the human centipede. Um, it's just my boyfriend and I were stuck together during the pandemic, so we just kept the name and just talk about all kinds of stuff, and that's on SiriusXM and iTunes, Spotify, all those places. Fantastic. I and love my, it. Sorry, my tour dates are yes. all on CarmenLynch.com. CarmenLynch.com. Follow her at Carmen the Comedian. Now, as you know, we uh, reach out say, hey, what movies? You sent me your five. Yeah. We picked Raiders of the Lost Ark. What is it about Raiders of the Lost Ark that just rings true I mean it honestly just reminds me of my sister because it came out obviously so many years ago we were really young and um, we just watched that movie over and over and over again and memorized the lines wow and uh, we just loved Harrison Ford I mean he could well, be he's, wrong he's a handsome devil that Harrison Ford alright we're hitting yeah. play here folks we're at five, six, seven, eight. if you're at home and you want to play along uh, we're recording here out of Ibble Studios. If you guys want to check them out, go to getibble.com or just search them where you get your apps. Now, you know, this this podcast, it's, it's all about hard left turns. It's all about the randomness of life. One of the cool things about Raiders that I really like is that you, you, you get this mix of young and old Indiana Jones uh, throughout the series. But for, for this first one, it's very interesting because... You know, it's, it's dropping you right into the action. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, as a comic who travels mm-hmm. so much, where are the pl- is there any place where you're, like, dropped into action? Like, I remember when this podcast first kind of got popular, 
there was a casino in Kazakhstan that reached out and goes, hey, because there's a military base by there, hey, we'd like to bring you out. And at first I was excited, and then I Googled Kazakhstan. Yeah. And then I was like, no, hard pass. I'm yeah. Not, I'm not, there's no way. I don't know if I'm getting back. And I called some friends in the military, and they're like, I wouldn't go. You know, there's no drinking. It's, 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 it's very strictly religious. Like, this is not your cup of tea, Jay. Don't yeah. do it. Uh, how about yourself? Is there anything you've turned down or you've I gone mean, to and you're like, oh, shit? The few, I, I went to Pakistan. I considered turning it down, but I reached out to, you know, because when somebody asks and I'm like, well, who do you, who's been there? And they name legit comics and I talk to them and they're like, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. I'll go anywhere. I don't care. Like, nice. I loved... And even if someone was like, do you want to come back to Pakistan? I'd probably go again just because... There is so much more to Pakistan than what you see on the news, you know, and, and a lot of these countries, they're beautiful, you know, and sure, you can't go alone. There's so much poverty or whatever, but there is a lot there. And like another place, I went on a military tour to Baghdad. That was another wow. awakening. But also um, the one that came to mind was Niger in Africa because there were four comics and we landed in this, what you would call an airport, I guess they call it. It's like a warehouse with no electricity. And they lost our luggage. So for the I first few days. Like, so that's when you're just like, okay, I have no clothes. I can't find the military command person who's supposed to pick us up. And then you're just like, yeah, you're dropped in the middle of nowhere. And you're like, I don't know what to do. And how do you, I mean, there's, it's, you know, everyone's like, oh, drop me anywhere in America. Yeah, of course, find your way out. Pretty yeah. easy. There, language, military conflict, a lot of uneasiness. Oh, yeah. Patience, looking calm and not freaked out. Um, trust, like, you know, ha- having a cell phone, uh, a service that works. Like, I switched to T-Mobile because this is not a T-Mobile commercial. They're not paying me, but they pretty much work anywhere. Okay. Um, so it, it's just, and I've been on enough military tours where I'm like, okay, I know what I need, and I know I need to be around people I trust. I know I need to be around responsible people. So you you travel with people you who aren't only funny, but who are good travelers. To me, that's almost more important than the funny. Because sure. so many comics are funny, but some of them you're like, I would not want to be with you. The neuroses of life. Yes. Yeah. Now, what is your preferred mode of travel? Road trip or fly? Flying. Really? I mean, it depends. It depends on the distance of the where are we going. If you're like, let's we're say we're going, going from here to Montana. I mean, About fifteen hundred miles. Probably flying. Yeah, because uh, if you're telling me that we're going to stop through the, you know, I'm just going to name places that are out of the way. But if we're taking a road trip and we're going through the Grand Canyon and then we're going to, you know, oh, we're making then, a hard left turn. And we're first stopping at Roswell to get some alien pancakes, yes. which is out of the way. Okay. But it's Roswell. Right. And why not? Okay. Right? There's, I mean, it's, you know, it's like a modern city with just huge alien statues. It's like they've uh, really, really honed in on this. They're like, this, this is our place. This is our beat right here. Aliens. Nothing else. So you got to stop at Roswell. Okay. No major freeways. Only two-lane highways. Okay. So every time you see a big water tower, you know it's a potty break. Or at least look for a brewery or someplace fun to stop real quick, a little local store, buy something random, and then truck on up. If it's scenic and scenic. it's it's 
Maybe yes, but not all the time. Flying is so convenient. Can be, yeah. Yeah. I just don't like the the lock in of. All right, so I mean, and I'm I'm sure TSA pre, you get all the yeah, you know, yeah, but yeah. still, it's just like all right, I got to be at the airport at this time. You know, if there's any traffic or anything happens, I'm so weirded out about being late. I like the control of even though it's going to take me two or three days. Yeah. That I get to leave when I want to leave. But then there's also like, what if I get a flat tire? Oh, that's true. And there's, you know, all that stuff. And sometimes it's just like nice to have a, a flight that's direct. You're there. And then once you're there, you know, you'll have a good time. It just depends, I think. Where, you know, uh, let's, let's rewind and go way, way back. Where'd you grow up? In Virginia and Spain. Virginia and Spain, hence the Spanish. The Spanish. My mother's from Spain. Okay. My dad was in the military, so yeah, we did kind of both. And there were other couple of other places, but those were the main. What growing up with your dad in the military? What, where was the impetus to become a comic versus, let's say, other career paths that maybe were were uh, put uh, in front of you as, as things to no, do? No, absolutely. I mean, I didn't <laughs> think about stand up until after college. Wow. I, I never listened to a. A stand-up album or a what? Like I have friends who are like, "Oh, my dad used to listen to you know, Bill Cosby." Like none of that ever happened. My parents are completely not; they're clueless with stand-up. I was just in New York one day. I was pursuing acting. Went to a comedy club. Didn't even know that was even a choice as a career. Mm -hmm. And then took a class because I, I knew nothing about it. Okay. Yeah. And then what's that road look like? So you take a class. You're gonna get the instant bug, or is it like? I'm just going to keep trying instant it because it's something bug. instant bug. Instant bug. The minute I was on stage, I was like, where, where has this been my whole life? Like, do you, yeah. do you see it? You know, I mean, what the beautiful thing about comics, right? Is that we actually kind of get to know you versus acting is where we get to know that you can be other people. Yeah. Uh, is there more comfort or less comfort in the vulnerability of everyone knowing a little bit more about you because of the jokes you tell or the way you tell the jokes? Well, initially, I thought it it was acting because I was very shy growing up. I um, kept a lot of stuff to myself. You know, I I was just kept everything very. I was very internal. I just kept everything inside and. And I just loved the idea of being someone else. But then when I moved to New York and I started pursuing acting and kind of fell into stand-up, <clears throat> I realized like, oh my God, you know, I can just be myself and I don't have to like put makeup on and wear, look pretty. I can just go with jeans and a t-shirt on at a freaking basement of a club and do an open mic. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that was so refreshing to me. So there was less pressure to try and be the right one that the director or that the casting director would want. I mean, I you can do stand-up with a bag of potatoes on your head, and no one's going to say anything. That's your shtick. So there, that was very liberating. Not that, that I ever did that. But, yeah. <laughs> That's more character. Yeah. He, he likes the bag of potatoes. All, yeah. all the props. The last living prop comic. I, I mean, think so. I think now. so yeah. for now, right? Who's, yeah. who's going to come in? I can't think of anyone. Yeah. I mean, you've, there's there's got to be a 10-year-old out there whose dad is just in love with Carrot Top and that kid loves lifting weights and he's like, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm going to impress my dad. What uh, What do your parents say? You, I mean, you spent four years in college. Yeah. Oh, my. It wasn't good. It was No, it wasn't good. <laughs> it wasn't good. <clears throat> I mean, I, I made the big mistake of, like, taking them to a comedy show when they visited me in New York. 
you know, way too, first of all, way too soon. So this was like 11 p.m. Every comic was like, dick this, ass that. I mean, I have traditional parents, you know, who've had the same career, same job their entire career. Or like, my mother was a nurse from the beginning to, you know, till retirement. My dad was in the Navy, and then he had like one outside job after retirement. But like, it wasn't this like, I want to be in the arts, like none of that. <laughs> so that was especially after going to college and all that, that was very difficult for them. And then once they started to see that, cause they also, I think a lot of fear comes from just not knowing something. And if you're not familiar with some, something, you think you're, you know, eating ramen noodles, which I did for years, but I mean, they just don't get it. Yeah. So, um, so finally when I started getting military tours and like late night, once I did Letterman and they noticed that I was on the road, like that opened their eyes to like, okay, maybe this makes sense or maybe she is, they realized I was happy or something, you know? The the icon that is Letterman and with him, almost the death of, of late night in the way that, you know, podcasting and Bill Maher and, you know, with HBO and has moved away. Uh, give me some memories of, of the Late Show with David Letterman. I mean that that was my first late night, and that was your first. You just went right to uh, A plus. Yeah, I know. It was like my. <laughs> I mean, if I had, I, that's the best. It was just such a great thing because it was also cool because it happened so randomly. Like, I was at a comedy club, and um, I got an email the next day that they saw me at this club. And I didn't know they were there, so it's not like I was nervous, you know. And they were there, because once you get the, once they say yes, they go with you to a couple of shows and run the set with you to check it out, like a couple nights before you do it. So they were there seeing um, Ted Alexandro, right? So they're running, Ted is running his set, and I happen to be, because they only go in for the person they're there to see, and then they leave. And I just happen to be, the comic on before Ted. So they were already sitting. Like getting warmed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're like, oh, we're sitting. Ted is next. We got his five minutes. Let's check him out. And I was on stage, and then Ted went on, and then they left. So by the time I was done chatting with my friends or whatever, I had no idea, still had no idea they were there because they were already gone. So wow. the next day I got an email, and they were like, we saw you. We were there for Ted. We saw you. And I and we, we'd be interested in having you on the show. And I just like started crying. I didn't know what to do. Cause I was in my room. I remember I almost got a day job cause I was running out of money. I wasn't temping. And I had just made these business cards that said um, Spanish tutor. And I was gonna start tutoring. And I was tutoring one kid but I was like, I'm just, I'm just gonna have to find a better job because this is moving very slowly. And, uh, and then when I did, once I did Letterman, I already had an agent interested in me, but he's like, now I have a bigger credit where I can push you to the clubs. And then once that happened, I, I was out on the road more. But, um, but you know, doing, doing little spots in New York City, that's not gonna pay the rent. Yeah, that's tough, right? I mean, it's 25, 50 bucks. It's amazing with inflation and everything. You yeah. Know? I mean, you work at Dairy Queen in 1980, you're making a buck an hour. Now you're making 20. Yeah. Comics, still, 25 no, bucks. Still, yeah. <laughs> Suck it up. Yeah. What's, you know, there, there's few. There, comics are few and far between. It seems like there's a lot, but there's really not. Is there any concern for you? Because it's, you know, it's, it's not like, you don't go to college to become a comic. You can go take a class or something, but... <clears throat> You either have it or you don't. 
Is there any concern for you ever that the art's going to die? No, I think, I mean, it has shifted. There's a lot more on YouTube, TikTok, and all that stuff now. But the live, live performing, at least on our end, it feels so good. There's nothing yeah. like it. And I would hope that people still want to come out and see it. But it has shifted. But um, there's, it's so big now. There's so many more comics now. Like, it's insane. Like, after watching, like, Louie, they see the seller there, so everybody wants it. Or, you know, that other show I can't remember that was on HBO. Um, I'm just thinking of the all the horrible crashing. stuff. Crashing. Oh, Crashing, you yeah. You know, like, there's so many stand-up Holmes, shows. Yeah, yeah that, that, I mean, all these shows were great, but at the same time, it's like, it's made stand-up be more like, oh, wait, I can do that? Let me go. Kind of like podcasting. Oh, yeah. wait, I can do that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that kind of feels like it's just out there for everyone now. You kind of have to keep reinventing yourself and doing other stuff because it's just not enough. Yeah, it seems like I, I, I have some stand-up comedian friends, and they tell me, no, if, if you can't edit, if you can't write, yeah, if you're not willing to travel and make the sacrifices and also understand all the social media platforms, how to yeah. post there, what to do, don't do it. Well, also, like, some people have someone to do their social media for, but at the same time, I'm like, I want to be able to do it anywhere I go, you know? I don't want to also have to depend. That's the other thing I loved about stand-up is when I was um, pursuing acting, I was like, oh, wait, I have to wait for someone to contact me and say I'm right for the part. And even when I get a call back, I'm still waiting to get the part. Stand up, I'm doing everything myself. If I want to yell out this line, if I want to kneel while I'm saying this line, I'm the director. Like, I love that. There's such a freedom. And I love that about even video editing and making videos. Like, you know, I can make it however I want. If, if I want to make it with a purple wig on, I can. You know what I mean? So all of that, to have the freedom to be able to do all that, I think is good. No, it's, 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 it's a very, um, it has the potential to be a very empowering piece, right? And, and you kind of control your own destiny. Uh, there's rejection, but it's not like acting, right? Where it's the whims of someone. Yeah. And usually it seems like the person who gets the job, their mom or dad was a casting agent or was something, you know, yeah. that moved them up the ranks a little bit. And, and there doesn't seem to be that in comedy. It seems to be very equal opportunity in some capacity. Like if you make people laugh, you're good. If you don't, you're bad. Is that pretty fair or is... I mean, if you make people laugh, you're good, but it's still not good enough most of the time. You either need to have, <laughs> like, like a huge amount of luck or you're also doing three other things. Okay. Because I don't think funny is enough anymore. I mean, it hasn't been for a while, but um, it's saturated. And I can just see the difference when I do stand-up in Spanish is that it's not totally saturated yet. Okay. So the you can climb higher. It doesn't mean you're going to, mm -hmm. but it just seems like there are still less people and there's still less, um, there, there are bigger steps you can take. Yeah, I mean, it seems like from the outside looking in, I see from, I guess, the comics that I listen to, and there's really two big players that are jumping into Spanish. Well, one, Joey Diaz has always kind of done it. Yeah. If you've ever seen him in Miami, I mean, he burns the whole city down. It's hilarious and uncomfortable all at the same time. I'm like, Joey, uh, 
I'm feeling uncomfortable. Can we move on? <laughs> and then and then Tom Segura. Yes. With his with his new Spanish tours, where people get upset because they're like, "You speak Spanish?" Yeah. <laughs> you look so white. <laughs> yes, and he speaks very good Spanish. He's yeah. I mean that dude flows. Yeah. Is there, um, you know, outside of you three? You know, it, I mean, are you guys kind of leading the way, championing the way for the other comics to come up? I mean, I would love to be in his category, but I don't see myself. I'll there put at you all. in that category. Thank you. But um, there hey, Tom, are. we're all in Austin here. She's in your uh -huh. category. Back it up, son. Like, like <laughs> even last night at the show, Carlos Vallarta is huge on social media. He's huge. He's a Mexican comic. Lives in Mexico City, and he he did. We opened for him. Me and Rojo Perez. Okay. Also does stand up in English. I've heard Spanish. of Rojo Perez, yeah. So so we did his show and opened for him and then he's doing show Carlos is doing shows in English. So I think there's a lot of overlapping coming from the other side too. Like I when I go to Spain and see my sister, I do shows in Spain, but every once in a while I'll get an email from someone who's like, I'm coming to New York, can I do five minutes? So there's a lot of crossover now. Oh that's cool. And I think a lot of people uh, not only are learning the language or have learned the language, but you know these days, as you know, kids are learning languages younger. Yeah. So more and more people are fluent and they're willing to try stand up in a different language. Oh yeah, I mean I got fucked because I was given the you know like, people are freaking out now like don't give the kid the right to choose whatever. I got the right to choose Spanish or art. Yeah. Four oh, years art. of art or a semester of Spanish in Montana, and I was like, four years of art, thank you. I will draw a stick man. All day, yeah. every day. I'm not learning that. I don't get it. Yeah. And it was never pushed on me. It was like me graduating from college without having to take stats. I had dirt on an administrator. I looked at him and I said, hey, I know about this. I either get through yeah, or I go to the news with this. And he's like, hey, sir, you've graduated. Yeah. <laughs> Here you go. Yeah. So I've got to be able to skip things, which I thought was cool at the time. And I look back now, and I'm like, oh, I really should. I mean, bless my daughter. She's, you know, bilingual and speaks Spanish and English and some Spanish friends who she goes over there and she only speaks Spanish with them. That's I good. love that. I think it's yeah. awesome. I'm so behind the eight ball as almost a 50-year-old man not knowing any of it, not really understanding it, you know, and it's, and I had the opportunity. Yeah, but it's also, I wouldn't feel too bad because most people who take high school Spanish or whatever... <laughs> They don't speak it. Like you literally it's dog have shit to. Teaching. No, but it, you literally have to speak it every day. Like the only reason I speak it is because my mother is from Spain and she spoke it to us. She spoke to us in Spanish every single day, and that's wow. how you do it. You live in like I went to I went to school in Spain and I went to the American School of Madrid, but it's an American school, but it's in Madrid. So there's a lot of Spanish. You know what I mean? So you mm -hmm. have to kind of just be. Like you said, your daughter speaks to some people in Spanish only. It has to be like that, or you okay. just, it doesn't stick. It makes sense. You know, does it help you? You know, one of the, one of the beautiful things about, and one of the things I hate about the English language, right, is nuance. I mean, what's C? Is it the letter? Are you looking at something? Right. Is it the water? You know, um, but it creates nuance and jokes and beauty and jokes. I, I wonder for 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 you, you go to Spain because you lived there, because you went to school there. Does that give you an edge up? Then let's say someone flying into Spain who's never been there but speaks the language to stand up. I don't think so because it was so long ago. I barely remember. <laughs> like I have, I have stories and I have pictures and I have memories, but I mean they're so old. You know, okay. like most of the stuff I talk about 
has to do with like my present or recent past life, but it's not when I was four, you mm-hmm. know, because a lot of that stuff I don't remember. No, but it's just more the nuance of, of how they communicate, oh. that style, that flow, that yeah. ease. I mean, it, in some ways, yes, but I actually joke around about the fact that I sound like it. I left Spain when I was eight, so a lot of my vocabulary is that of an eight-year-old child. So it's like the USA Today popping stuff off in short sentences. Yeah, and it's, but I mean, it's <laughs> funny to them, and I'm like, listen, if that makes you laugh at me instead of with me, I'm fine with it, because it's a laugh, you know? But it's, it's, I always try to at least speak better, because, and especially, like, once you, once I do Spain, like, last night, there was only, out of, what, 150, 200 people in the audience, I asked one person was from Spain. So I'm dealing mostly with Latinos, and that those words are, can be different. Yeah. So a lot of times, you know, I'm asking around, like, how do you guys say this? And it's a completely different word that I'm like, oh, now I have to memorize words. Oh, interesting. I mean, I, I knew there was a difference uh, years ago. The Department of Commerce sent me down to Brazil to do some work. And so I was learning a little bit of Portuguese, just barely enough to get by. You know, and then, then I, I knew my favorite words, and I knew my Daishwanara, which is like their diet sprite there. That I had to have acai, and then the rest of the time I just got in trouble because I do dumb shit. I mean, we were we golfed, and our caddy invited us to his house up in the favelas, and we're like, "Oh, sure! Like, why wouldn't I just, you know, go to a place where only gangsters live and hang out?" <clears throat> yeah. And then get to the front, and there's burning trash barrels, and they're like, "Oh, you have to get on a scooter. We're going to drive you between those. We're all going to go in different directions, and then don't worry, we're going to meet up at this guy's place." Just trust us. And then we're up there, we're hanging out. And I'm like, I'm a little hungry. And he goes, there's this great place, fresh granola, acai, blended up, delicious. I'm like, oh, I'm so excited. And these kids are staring at me. Now I'm a six foot two, the time like 250 pound white guy. They just haven't seen. <laughs> and I don't tan. I'm Irish. So it's like red, white. It's yes. all you get. Yeah. And I show them a magic trick. As I'm showing this magic trick, a minivan, I don't know how it got up there, it drives by, it has no doors on it and no windows, and the guys are hanging out with guns. And I look over and I see them, I'm like, oh, jeez, this is, okay, no security. Show them a magic trick, they point at me and go, white witch, white witch. <laughs> and my golf caddy's like, it's time for you guys to go. Wow. We are running down the hills, Babelas, <laughs> trying to get to the bottom. And I see them doing that, uh, the, the dance, it's the martial arts. Okay. And they're doing that. I'm like, I gotta take a picture. And I go to shoot a video, and the guy's like, they will. Phones are everywhere. They will cut your hand off for that candle. Put it away. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, okay. I'm a moron. I don't understand this culture whatsoever or what's going on. My nuance was there. There was nothing there, right? It was just I was just the, the village idiot running around there, but it was fascinating. It was, and then, thank goodness, you know, I had someone with me who actually spoke good Portuguese because we were coming back from a bar one night, and he goes, "Hey, just want you to know the two guys behind us are talking about mugging us." Oh my god! And I was like, "Yeah, fantastic." How? Because like here, you got a Starbucks in every corner, and a P. Terry's, and a McDonald's. Yeah. Down there, there's a, just a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu studio on every corner. I'm just going to get my ass kicked. Can I just, get, can I just turn around and hand him my money? And he goes, no, 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 no. Go up here and turn right. It's more well lit. I'm like, so everyone can see me get my ass kicked? Like, <laughs> I would rather in the dark. Come on. He goes, no, no, there's a lot more people. And then, trust me, they won't want to mug us. But then you go to a, every business we went to. Yeah. Tip, you got to tip the elevator guy. Because if you don't, and some criminals come in, 
and they give him money, he'll take you right up to where he dropped you off and be like, here they are. And then they, it's it's wild. It's yeah. fascinating. But that's what I love about travel, yeah. right? Is yeah. the wildness, is the fascinating well, engagement. Yeah. And there's so many places that I'm sure you've experienced, I've experienced, where you're like, why did I do that? That was so stupid. But then you Every just day. got out of it. And you're yeah. like, but I'm also, now that I'm safe, I'm glad I did it because it was an amazing experience. Those are those are the things that write, that they write home about things. Yeah. Uh, I wonder, from you, are there stories you still haven't told your parents because you're afraid it'll, I mean, like I, I remember telling my dad stories. Yeah. He's like, can you stop? I well, still see you know. as my child. Yes, yeah. You're still my child. Like, yeah. like, remember I had that Nissan Maxima as a kid? He goes, yeah, the one with that was literally dented on every panel? Goes, yeah. POS, 400 bucks. We used to drive down the road at night in Montana where my buddy would grab the steering wheel and I would sit in the sunroof and then I would put my feet on the steering wheel and he would sit next to me. We'd do 80 miles an hour down the highway. No. <laughs> Are you serious? Dead serious. My buddy Nick Sheedy and I, yeah. And you weren't afraid of going flying out through the sunroof, or? I mean, if we would hit a deer, yeah. I mean, I would have been. Oh my god. Shotgun. Yeah. And we just drive down. But the the fun thing was, we'd look over at cars driving past us, and you would see them, and they would just be like, huh? And then, inevitably, right? It's like, oh, you have to really know the road. And you're like, oh, there's a yeah. corner coming up. And then how quickly can you get down? And yeah, then who yeah, gets yeah, down yeah, first yeah. and grabs the wheel oh and slows God, down? No. I'm trying to tell my dad yeah. the story. And he's like, no, no. No, no, no. Heart rate, yeah. sweating in front of me. Yeah. Are there travel? Because I mean, you, you're military. I've yeah. got to assume your dad's like, precarious situation. <laughs> Let me tell you. Yeah, I mean, it's nothing compared to what... I mean, he, of course, he's been to, like, Vietnam and submarines and stuff. But, like... There, it wasn't even military. I think I think it's more the because those trips I actually feel very safe because they have so much security and you're constantly around soldiers with guns and stuff and you just feel safe. But like I went to India even before stand up. Like I went to India with a friend of mine and we there were moments we traveled alone. She's like, well, I want to go see the Dalai Lama and I'm like, well, I want to go to you know this way and see this cool city. You know, because all their cities are like city of gold, city of love, like the, all mm-hmm. these. And uh, and there were moments where I was like, "What am I doing? I'm in India. I stand out. Everyone thinks I'm like this giant. You know, they don't know six feet, and I they don't know white in these small towns. And uh, but one town, she and I found each other again. We went to Goa, which is like this beachy town in the south of India. And, um, you know, you party, you meet people. I was smoking, like, hash with this guy. And then he, we were walking down the beach, and he dropped it. And I was like, what, what, what's happening? And he goes, cops. And oh. the cops came over, and I'd never experienced, this felt like uh, out of a movie, because I'd never experienced, like, corrupt cops. And I know we have them, too, but, like, you know, at this point... And they were, like, looking at the... They found the hash on the ground. It was, like, rocky, so I don't know how they found it. It was dark. And then the guy was like, it's all me. Don't look at her. Don't blame her. And I'm like, I'm going to fucking India jail. Like, I'm never going to see my family again. And uh, and he goes, you have to pay us. 
and all we had to do was pay them what we had on us, and they wouldn't arrest us, which is crazy. Well, that's kind of crazy. It's crazy, but it was better than, you know, than getting arrested, so... Oh, way better than getting arrested. So, and you know, money there is like, like $10 goes a long way. So I don't even know what we gave them. This was years ago. And uh, and then we, I was like, thank God, I thought I was going to jail, this was, you know, whatever. And then like an hour later, we go back to this party, I'm meeting my friend, an hour later we see the cops like smoking the hash. You know, so it, it, it just, it was just, all that stuff was just crazy. Like there's stories you're just like, did this really happen? I could, it could be a lot worse. It could have been a lot worse. I, uh, I there, there's parts of me that desperately want to go to India and when well, I have a dear friend of mine, uh, Shaw, who lives in Atlanta, who's from there. And it's funny because I've had friends who go there, you know, they only fill flights 75% full for the way home. Why? Because people get overwhelmed by the smells. Are you and the serious? Business. Yeah, and they, they go to the tickets and they're like, take me home now. Like, I, I'm, I, nope, I can't be here. When, and that's like my sweet spot. Like, Wait, so they they fill up the plane on the way back from India. When they where? sell, when they sell it, when when uh, anything leaving India, when they're okay. selling it, especially back to the U.S., England, what have you, it's only it's seventy five percent full. Because knowing they're not that, bathing. Knowing that flights coming in uh-huh. from Americans coming in, they are going to, oh, they're they're going to, uh, they're going to have, they're going to want to go home. Cocktails party people, cocktails. Uh, so they're going to go home. They're going to want to go home. They're not going to want to be there at all. Yeah. As soon as they get off the plane. Yeah. So yeah, 75%. Knowing 25% of the people that land there are going to want to turn around and go home right away. And that's because why? They're overwhelmed by the senses. Really? Yeah, the colors. Oh, my God. I was talking to uh, Manit Shohan, yeah. uh, chef out of uh, the Nashville area who's got some, I mean, she's on Chopped and everything else, but she's also she's an amazing chef. Folks, go check her stuff out in Nashville. Pretty easy to Google. If you can't find her, you are a dolphin with the computer underwater. She's amazing. Uh, And I was talking to her about that, and she goes, yeah. She goes, it is the busyness. It's just, it's overwhelming. It is overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. But that's like my sweet spot. I'm like, oh, yes, please. But then there's tigers. Then I see all these damn videos of people that are like, oh, just driving down the road, a scooter. And then, or a guy fishing, and the tiger's in the, you know, and he's like, I can't paddle fast enough. And that motherfucker just swims. But I mean, that has to be. I was in India for six weeks, and I never saw a tiger. No cobras, no tigers. I was in Thailand for. I two saw weeks. cobras, but they were like. Oh in, Jesus! No, but they were like controlled by like street. No, how are they? They're how are they controlled? Because apparently, that little mother. Oh, no, I'm but uh, nervous. apparently they get. Look they, at instant sweat. Apparently I'm, they they are they have a way of removing. This is what a local told me. <laughs> they have a way of removing the the venom of these snakes. So they're like, see, people look at it come out of this little basket, and then it's like, okay, you know. I'm not saying I would get close to it. Yeah. But, but they were everywhere. These so kind I'm of road s- little street things were street tricks. I uh, know. I yes, we saw. I was in uh, Thailand for a couple of weeks. I saw a couple of cobras. Yeah. I saw cobra vodka. Where they basically just drown cobras in a big bat of vodka. Ew. And then they shove them in a bottle, and then they fill it with vodka. And then it's yours to have. For what? To, like, I don't know, but I couldn't even touch the bottle. I was so I, I have such a fear of snakes. Yeah. I couldn't be anywhere near it. We were, uh, I was um, 
grocery store picking some stuff up. I'm on a scooter. I rented a scooter. And I hear people screaming. They got guinea pigs there like nobody's there. They're like rats. Little fat guinea pigs. Yeah. Little bastards. And this guinea pig is just huffing across. And then there's this 12-foot-long cobra just in Ew. pursuit. Yeah. And I was just... And then I'm like... I, and this person saw me freaked out. Like, it's going to be okay. It's going that way. And I could barely get back on my moped. I was just so freaked out. And they're what? like, uh-huh. just stay away from the tall grass. Bitch, you guys don't have lawnmowers. Yeah. There's tall grass everywhere. They're like, yeah, stay out of it. Wait, so what caused you to have this phobia of snakes? When I was a kid, I li- I'm from Montana. I, wa- I was with my grandfather in Townsend, Montana. He had this big ranch, family ranch. My Uncle Joe lived on it. Grandpa took care of it. And I was uh, I was looking for I, I looking for this bunny, this baby bunny. And I was like, I'm gonna get me some. And it, it, it jumped into this bush. And I was gonna get this baby bunny. And I was, you know, I mean, I had my buttoned up cowboy shirt on, and my, my jeans, and my boots, and my hat. I was ready for ranching. And my grandfather snuck up behind me, and he dropped a snake down my shirt. And it zipped around my belly oh until my it God. came out the other way and out one of the holes in my button-up shirt and then ran down my leg. And oh, my God. <laughs> hey, if you want to fuck up kids, that's a good way to do it. That's Why would he do that? Just because he knew nothing bad would happen to you? Yeah, it was like a gardener. It was like yeah. an eight-foot-long gardener snake yeah. or rat snake that he thought it was hilarious. I got him back real good. What'd you do? So he was feeding the cows. He had this Ford... Big Ford with like two gas tanks, really long bed. He had it loaded up with hay. And he was like, listen, I'm going to show the hay off. You don't touch anything, just keep the steering wheel straight. And he got on the back. And I, I like, I moved for a rock. And he yelled at me. He was going to hit a huge rock. Yeah. Told you to keep it straight. I'm like, fine, you'll keep it straight. I floored him. Flipped him right off the back of the truck. And then he came running at me with a pitchfork. I got scared, floored again. Then it's cow shit and mud. Spraying him up and down. And this went on for like a quarter of a mile. Because, hey, put the pitchfork down and stop yelling the F word at me and maybe I won't floor it when you get close to the truck. Because I'd floor it and then realize, oh shit, I've lost control of this this thing that I I don't know how to drive. I'm eight. Yeah. So then he would get close to the pitchfork screaming. I'm like, shit, I don't want to get hit with a pitchfork. Floor it. Do you guys get along? Like, how was your relationship after that? Um, you know, my grandpa John's an interesting guy. He was uh, a very successful entrepreneur. Uh, did a lot of weird things. Uh, the town of Townsend, Montana, a lot of the things it has there is because of him and, uh, and, and my family there. The pool, the downtown, the real estate. There's just a lot of stuff that he and then my uncle and my grandmother, the, the paper, mm-hmm. they did all these things. And so, therefore, I'm, I'm very, I'm very proud of him and my family for for what they've done for that little, little tiny ranching town. But he was also a mean son of a bitch. Yeah. And as I got older, he got grumpier. And uh, unfortunately, our you know our relationship soured. Soured. Uh, he got to meet my daughter before he passed, which was wonderful. You know, and he'd gotten a little softer, but you know, I was still a yuppie piece of shit son of a bitch. You know, beat him in cards and like, yeah, it's good. You're a yuppie. You're a greedy piece of shit. You know, he was just that guy. Yeah. But uh, there's still so many memories of him, of the good times we had. He was just, he did weird shit. That was, I mean, when you're a kid, it's hilarious, but you look back at it now and you're like, it's like a fart. You know, you're like, why am I laughing? It's stench because my shit's burping. Like, what's going right, on? Right, right. 
When he'd drive down the road, he'd close his eyes and just pop his dentures out and they'd fall into his lap. He'd be like, oh, shoot. Oh, my gosh. Wait, on purpose? Or on purpose. Oh, on my purpose. gosh, yeah. My Uncle Joe would be driving down the road and we'd be in the back of the truck. You know, sitting in the truck bed in the 70s. Yeah. Swerve, slide us from one side to the other with that little back window piece of shit thing open in between the gun rack. Dodging bugs. Dodging bugs. We're doing 60 miles an hour. Yeah. I almost... Sh- sh- Right off the back of the truck. Ah, okay. I got you guys. You're fine. Or we'd, you know, be in the ranch and you'd, you'd tie an inner tube to the back of a back of a truck on snowy days, oh and they just yeah. pull you around at yeah. 20 miles an hour. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it was a different world back then. We didn't even have seatbelts in no. the back of cars back then. Yeah, it was just. And yeah. people are just like, well, I mean, when it snowed here in Austin last year, what do you do? I'm like, I know what I would do, but I'll get arrested because I yeah. would have tied a garbage top. Yeah garbage can lid to the back of my Ford truck and I'd have pulled all the kids from the neighborhood. Yeah. Until one Karen would have saw it. Right. And rightfully so, Ben, you're gonna kill a kid. Yeah. Now I would have liked if she'd come to me first instead of calling the cops. But that's why you don't do those things, because it's it's the the, the shit we got away with. But also Montana sounds like the kind of place where you wouldn't hit another car. Like there are fields where you can do that. Whereas like here you would Oh no, we did do it that. down the road. Really? We did it oh. on the road. Yeah, yeah, no, no. My parents weren't that smart. Mm. My dad would be like, hey, you see the red? Put your hands up because I can't afford new teeth for you. If you hit a ditch, fall out because you're going to hit that mailbox and you're going to break an arm and I'm not paying for it. I mean, I got hit by a car when I was in fifth grade. It was doing 60 miles an hour. It broadsided me. I broke the windshield. The lady reached out and tried to grab my leg. I don't know why. Hit the top of the car. Hit the back windshield. Bounced up again. The antenna went through the back of my head. What? Open the trunk. Rolled down the highway. Yeah. Obviously, police, paramedics, everyone's called. They're cutting my brand new church jeans. I'm crying. Because these are church jeans. But they cut your head open to get the antenna out, right? Shh, pulled it up. Here's a little bit. Barely. Oh, my God. It's ew. Montana. It's just, ew. You know, like, ew. <laughs> here you go. Let's just no. get that out real Here's quick. Here's your antenna back. <laughs> Sir? Sir, you can now get 98.7 the B once again. Oh. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. A little extra for you on the end. And they called my my dad, the guy who raised me, my first stepdad, and he was mad because there was no broken bones and I interrupted his golf game. Like, Interesting. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was back nine doing pretty good. Yes. I thought this was serious. I got hit by a fucking car. I was yeah. three under. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, anyway, I'm yeah. sure it made you a better person somehow. I think, you know, <clears throat> there's the silliness of test makes testimonies. I think there's the reality of we are a product of, of, of the world that we choose to engage in and the world that we're part of. Uh, you know, I didn't get to choose my parents. No. My parents didn't get to choose me. It's a two-way street. Uh I'm blessed in understanding that for having a daughter. We sit down once a month and I talk to her and ask her, how am I doing as a dad? What can I do better? Oh, that's great. Or am I better? Yeah. You know, and some stuff she asks me and I'm like, hey, that's just being a parent. You got to eat your peas. Sorry, shithead. This is just how it works. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Eat the peas. But she's like, you, you yell sometimes. I remember this one. She's like, you yell. Man, you're loud. Okay. A month later, we're walking down the street. She's holding my hand. She squeezes it and just gives it a kiss. Look, oh, thanks, honey. She goes, well, Daddy, you haven't raised your voice in like a month on the phone with people, and thank you. Wow. 
Hey, I'm like, I gotta blame allergies on tears coming down my face. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I bring that up because it's just like, you know, people are, oh, they're kids. So. Keep no, you learn so much from them. You can learn so much from them, and yeah. they do listen. Yeah, they do. They really do. They well, they're really not embittered by the world yet. They're not, you know, <laughs> they still have hope and I don't know. They're, easy they're not paying that. taxes. Yeah. They're not going through that. The poor people at TurboTax, they did my tax yesterday. I made like nine phone calls. The guy's like, sir, I don't actually create the tax law. I don't know why you're yelling me about it. <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry, man. I'm so. Can I Venmo you? Can I just tip you some extra money because I feel like a jerk? I'm just so frustrated. I don't know what I'm doing. Why is it so complicated? Can I just pay 20%? We'll just call it a day. And there's no write-offs, nothing. He's like, sir, I, I wish I could just you know, tell you to cut a check. Yeah. I, I can't. I'm like, all right, I'm going to hang up because I just, I'm going to cool down. I'm going to call someone else back. He's like, thank you. And when you hear the thank you, you know you've been an asshole. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and then I even feel worse. Yes. Oh, it's like you have a little mentor daughter. I do. She's She will remind me. Dad, you're going to use all that language? I'm like, whoa. Sorry. Working on it. I'm a horrible mouth. Horrible mouth. All right. Hard left turn. Yeah. In the Ibble Spark, in the, uh, in the world of Ibble here, sparking a conversation. Indiana Jones. Let's get to the movie here. We, we've, we've, I've completely ignored it. We are at this adventure stage, really. Um, you know, Indy is where Indy is, right? <laughs> and, you know, you're, you're, you're close, but you're far away. You're there, but you're not, right? There's that moment. Is the Letterman show that moment for you? Or are there other moments in your career where you knew you were almost there? And then something happened that obstructed that moment. Well, I never, I mean, there are moments where you think you're almost there. Not like you've made it, but you're on the path to making it. Mm -hmm. Not, I've never been like, I've made it. That makes no sense. And I think people, I think outside people, people who are not in the business, they, of course they wouldn't know because they're not in it. But they, you know, they'll see like a post of something. Like in a, a back then it was mostly Facebook, but like, and they'll be like, you've made it. And it's, it doesn't work that way. Just because you do a late night doesn't mean you know you're done or yeah. you've made it or you can like coast there's not no there's no work there, that's none of that is true um so you do feel like you you're climbing and things are going well um and you have like i have these memories like i you know i always have that i did letterman and then yeah. i did it twice like that you did feels, letterman twice yeah like that i mean that's the one like <gasps> goosebumps that's if there's a guy that I, in my humble opinion, does a, a damn near perfect interview. And especially with his new show on Netflix, whatever yes. it is, that does a perfect interview. I really do believe it's Dave. Yeah. I really do. Well, he keeps it real. He doesn't get all, I don't know. There's something very just authentic about him. Yeah. And it's dry. It's just very, it's just very him. He's just him, you know? But you know the darkness of him on the back end, right? What do you mean? So he'd watch all his shows five, six times in a row uh -huh. and just scream at himself, critiquing how horrible he did. What? He had bulletproof glass in his office. Yeah. So that he could hit it with baseball bats and swing a bat and hit a ball, throw balls, get mad. Yeah, there was a there was an obsessive compulsiveness of 
of a gr uh, just trying to figure shit out. Okay. You mean like so if he interviewed whoever, he'd watch it, and then he would be, just be hard on himself for not asking the right questions? Hate it, yep. And just go after it again and again and again. Now, why isn't that like, why doesn't everyone know that? Like, why isn't, I've never heard I don't that. know. Yeah. Like Joe, Joe Montana, maybe the yeah. most romantic human being of all time. Yeah. No offense to your man, but let's just, let's call a spade a spade. Uh -huh. This dude... Funny, like, there's always the John Candy story, right? He's playing the Cincinnati Bengals. He's at, like, the 10-yard line. They've got to go 90 yards. And he goes, hey, guys, John Candy's down there. Let's go say hi. And everyone calms down. Yeah. And they, John Taylor back at the end zone, boop, got it. A lot of people don't know is that during his whole NFL career, he would go to the sidelines and grab that phone. He was seeing if he could get an outside line. And if he could dial 9 to get an outside line, he would call his wife at home and just tell her he loved her. During a game... <laughs> He's like, you know, you're working. And I it's know, kinda... that's a little much for me, though. <laughs> that's a little, like, like, I don't know if it's codependent or just, like, call your mom. I don't know. Like, it's a little, like, you go have fun at work. I'll see you tonight. Yeah, you're gone for three hours. Yeah. It's going to be okay. He's like, I just want to call and say I love you. And he just thought it was a game then because he's like, if yeah. I dial nine and I get out, I'm calling people. Yeah. And he would sit on the sidelines and just dial people up. So it wasn't just his wife. It wasn't just his wife, but that was the impetus for yeah, yeah, it. Because like, yeah, yeah. it would also freak her out. But at the same time, I, I would feel like, don't you want to focus on your game? Like, this is... Or, I, he's, or he's that good. Yeah. I mean, maybe he's just yeah. that good. Yeah. I'm sure. I don't know. I don't know. That would be weird, though. Would you imagine just in the middle of your act, you're like, hey, does someone have a cell phone? I'm just going to call my man real quick, just see how he's doing. But even that feels like a joke, which is yeah. like part of my job. Yeah, that's true. Like for him, I would be like, if that, if I was his wife, I'd be like, you're making me nervous. Like, can you just go back to your thing? Like, what's going on over there? Like, shouldn't you be there for your teammate? Isn't there someone that needs you more than I do right now that you could help, you know? I'm trying to get Sunday dinner ready. Yeah. Listen, there's just a lot of shit going on. Like, go mentor one of your teammates who's, like, you know, I don't know. And his number one sport was basketball. It wasn't football. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. He was a really good hoops player. Wow. It's wild. It's a, uh, I mean, I, I love those things because it's the it's the uniqueness of people, right? I mean, it's, it's where does your brain go in high-stress moments? Where does your brain go, you know, in... in in clutch opportunities. Yeah. Right? Can it be hyper focused and then at the same time just snap out? And you're like, I wonder what my wife's doing. Yeah. I can't do that. I don't have that. Yeah. I don't know what that means. But obviously that knucklehead does. Yeah. It's I just, don't know. Yeah. It's different, right? I mean it's just but that mindset is is is, is very interesting to me because it and I, I want to run something by you. I want to run two things by you, please. One, I find this fascinating, and I'd like to get your take on it. Comedians are, are, are in a very unique position, and always have been, in, in my humble opinion, in the fact that whether you are just starting out or you are at the Mount Olympus of comics, mm. there's a very unique thing about it in the fact that you're always five feet away from someone. It's very rare. I mean, Kevin Hart can do a stadium tour. He's still going to go to the comedy cellar. He's still going to go yeah. to the comedy store. And guess what? You're five feet away from someone. Yeah. You just are. Musicians, inevitably, 
right? As they get bigger, they get farther and farther away from their audience. Yeah. And they really lose touch. Whereas the grounding of comics, it seems like you guys really don't lose touch. I wonder, from your perspective, what are the pros and cons of people having so much access to you? I mean, I, I think of it as pros more than cons because okay. it does keep you grounded. You're constantly meeting new people in your art form. And, uh, and I don't know if it keeps you humble. It's nice that, like, like I think the day after my one of my late nights, you know, the next day I was at a basement with five people. And I was like, how is it that I was just on TV? You know, like that stuff... And I remember even I did Fallon right before the pandemic. So it was like 2020. I think it was end of January. And then during the pandemic, I was just in outdoor rooftops. And then at one point I did a, a playground in Brooklyn somewhere. And there were bugs everywhere. <laughs> you know, it was like the mic sucked. And I was like, so funny. I just did Letterman and now I'm out here. There's a, there was a homeless guy yelling, like, you know, and there's something just very genuine about that, like that, that you can just go up and down, back and forth, and it just, it, it keeps you out of that bubble that I would say, like, like a Will Smith is in, where yeah. he's just so surrounded by perfection and, and your highness and, you know, thinking he's the whatever, and then where you have that belief that you you think you're better than everyone like you just you can't really have I mean I'm not saying all comics are amazing people but uh, but it does keep you kind of grounded it does it keeps you on the same you're on a show with somebody who just passed the cellar and you're also on a show with Chris Rock like that's crazy yeah I mean it's comics and chefs there's yeah how funny was your last joke yeah did you make me laugh how good was your last meal Am I content? And then outside of that is then access. Because, I mean, I can access any chef, damn near. I mean, there are some, obviously, you can't. Yeah. I, well, I have friends, I can't. But there's some, right? You just know. You're like, that's up there. Martha Stewart. You're not just grabbing Martha. Yeah. You can go grab Manine, you can't grab Martha, right? Yeah. You can't go just grab Kevin. But you can kind of go grab Tim Dillon and, right. and, and, and Tom and Bert. You're like six degree, you're like one degree from everyone. You're oh yeah, yeah, you're one degree from everyone. Yeah. And literally one degree from everyone. Yeah. Because your joke is getting shared, right, throughout. So that puts you that one degree with everyone that shared that joke with them. Right. And then it it it's, it seems like the equity in that, you know, is uh is far more real than uh, than the equity in someone of, of like a Will Smith where how much of it was luck? How much was it someone else pushing the buttons? And then when they get there, the disillusionment of all the people that brought you up yeah, are gone. And all the people that are there are taking something from you. Yeah. And the people that want to be around you actually don't want shit from you. And they just want to hang out. Yeah. That's got to be a weird fucking feeling. And it, but it's also our job is to be... We need people in the room to know if we're good. I guess musicians... I don't know. Not so much. No, musicians don't. play a song the, and, and... The bullshit of, I'm going to play my new song now. It's like, that's my call to go get a beer. Yes. 
Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If I'm going to see the Eagles, yeah. and why? And that's my other thing. Why is that? Why is it that I go see the Eagles, and all I want is I want yeah. all their old hits? Yeah. If I go see you, yeah. the unfairness of this is I need something new from you, Carmen. Right. Every every time I see you, I want a new ha-ha. If I don't get a new ha-ha, I'm pissed. Yeah. But if I go see the Eagles, I don't want to hear your new shit. I don't want to hear anything that, that that's new. I mean, that has to be the music part of it, because the, the words are the same. We're, we're basically musicians without instruments, right? Yeah, but the, man, the demand's different. My demand for musicians is keep playing your old stuff. My deva- demand from you is I need new no, every I know, time No, I know, but I'm saying if I, and I'm, I'm not, I'm just making this up. Yeah. I don't know if this is true. But if you had, like, a favorite joke of mine, and I did it with really cool music, yeah, you might want to hear it again because you loved the music. I think, I think there's a difference in the fact that if I want people to know who you are, I'm sharing my favorite joke, 100% of yours. Always. Yeah. I'm going to a house. I'm like, have you guys heard? Have you guys seen Carmen? They're like, what? I'm like, dude, she was on Letterman. You, find, you guys, you guys don't know who she is. Yeah. Hold on. Where's your smart TV? Let me pull up a couple of my favorite jokes. Yeah. Let me pull this stuff up, and it's it's instant. But then, as soon as that's done, that's for them. That's for my crowd, so I can impress them with yeah. your jokes. Yeah. Which is also weird. Yeah. That people literally leverage comics. Yes. And their art to impress their friends. Right. Right. Like that's. That's a that's a linchpin of let me show you. It's kind of with music the same thing, but music I want to keep playing that same song over and over again at the barbecue. Yeah. I come back and I'm like, they're like, what's new from Carmen? Like right, even those assholes right, right, right. are like, we're not listening to this story again. What's right. new? How do you deal with that pressure? I mean the the. You're like I didn't know it was pressure. Now thanks, Jerry. But no, I <laughs> I love the. Um, the art of new jokes. Like, I love creating new jokes. And granted, we all go through, and I've, I've been through this more lately, and I have a feeling it was COVID, but the idea of writing new jokes is almost, like, exhausting now because, like, there's other things I want to do. Like, I'm trying to work on a script and, uh, you know, this and that. But the the um, trying out a new joke is so refreshing. It's one of my favorite things about stand-up is, like, like sure I love working at clubs that um, I have to do my A game but it's so nice and pressure free to just go somewhere and just pull out your notes and try out new stuff it's just there's nothing like it because it's the what, first what does that time. feel like yeah what, is, what does that feel like when you go from the writing stage yeah because that's you so there's no like that's you writing right so it's I'm grabbing the cat and the dog and they're like that's a good one alright mom keep yeah. going alright so you don't What's that first time like when you say it out loud? Well, there's, for me, it's like there's a voice that goes, oh, my God, I, I'm so glad this worked. Like, because I liked it, too, you know. But then there's other ones that surprise you sometimes where you're like, what? You guys don't like that? You know, that's funny. But, you know, sometimes it clicks when you're writing it. You're like, this is going to this is a joke. I don't even have to write anything else. This, <laughs> this is just like somebody handed, this angel of comedy just handed me this joke. Like, it's perfect the way it is. How, how do you write? What's your process? Like, some people type it out, some people handwrite it out, some people just do notes, some, you know, talking to, just talk to talk. I mean, it's different. Like, I used to write in notebooks more, and since cell phones came out, I write a lot in my phone. Okay. 
and then if I'm too lazy, I'll just record it on my phone. Um, I have a lot, I do a lot more writing on stage now. Interesting. You know, okay. like I'll just be like, oh, okay, I don't have time or I don't feel like doing this. I'll just play around with it on stage and then just record it and listen to it and then write the jokes based on what I said on stage. Because a lot of times stuff will just come out, you know, without me even just talking out of my ass like I'm, I'm just not even thinking about it I'm just chatting is there uh, some of my friends you know they talk about imposter syndrome but they were fans of comics uh-huh. their whole lives yeah I mean growing up they were fans of comics you weren't uh, does that put you ahead or behind as far as joke writing you know because because you're not you're not rolling someone else's thunder. It's yours. I mean, you're just like, yeah. I'm going to try this. Shit, I'm good at this. Let's go. Versus, you know, uh, even, you know, Rogan talks about, oh, I mimicked these comics for years. Yeah. Because I just watched them and liked them so much. Well, it's it's definitely both. Because when I first started, one of the comp- or compliments or one of the um, the feedback I would get would be like, you're, you're, you have such a unique voice. You're like no one I can't think of anyone who talks like you and sure they'd say like you remind me of Stephen Wright or you I was more deadpan I think back then okay but it wasn't like um I would get you have a unique voice and then when they found out that I never watched anyone they were like oh I bet that's why oh but then the, the backside to that is that like for years I mean even to this day like I don't know Lenny Bruce's jokes. I couldn't tell you. I've watched Mrs. Maisel and he's on that, but I don't know, I don't know his real stuff. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's so many people like that where I'm like, I I can't tell you I've listened to George Carlin that much, you know, because that just wasn't in our life. Like it wasn't, my dad played John Denver. He didn't like listen to jokes. That's not his thing, you know? So there is a lot of catching up on in that sense. Um, and, and when I have like comic influences, it was never a stand-up. It was, it was Lucy Obama in the I Love Lucy reruns. It was Carol Burnett. It was like old uh, SNL that my sister would put on, you know? It was never a stand-up. I didn't wow. know stand-up until uh, Seinfeld came out and, I, and he would do those little things in between oh, yeah, Seinfeld. Yeah. Or, or like I knew that like Roseanne was a stand-up, but I didn't know her stand-up, but I knew she was a stand-up. You know, same with like, um, uh, everybody loves Raymond. I oh, was yeah, like, yeah. oh, I heard he was a stand-up, but I mean, I yeah, didn't I didn't know Ray Romano him. was a stand-up. Yeah, which was interesting. Yeah, he's a great stand-up. Yeah, yeah. And he's that. a very nice person. Nice. Yeah. I uh, I wonder, you know, from from your perspective, you're in New York, stand-up. How's that scene coming back? You know, oh, it's COVID. fine now. It's okay. Ju- yeah, it's totally back to normal, one hundred percent. Are you? Um, is there any part of you in the changing climate of this world? You know, with uh, where it seems like comics are coming a little more under fire on jokes. You know, is there any part of this cultural climate that concerns you? As far as joke telling goes, I mean, people got to toughen up a little bit. You're like, come on. Yeah, it's it's a little annoying because there there are <laughs> certain jokes where I'm like, God, I can't even say that anymore. And it's not even that it's that bad. It's just that people are Ooh, sensitive, and yeah. I don't like the ahs and the oohs and the 
you know it's just you have to be more careful it's like things that you could have tweeted in the past that are again not offensive yeah but someone would be like this isn't funny you know and i just i just stopped tweeting so long ago like i still have an account but i mostly just like retweet where my shows are i don't well yeah i mean it's, it's yeah, that, that's it's a just, perfect vehicle for twitter right it's, it's just annoying and it is annoying i get in trouble a lot because yeah you know, i've got a new spin off of this called cults gonna cult and my buddy and I just talk about different cults, and sometimes like four or five in an episode. Yeah. Sometimes it's one that we'll focus on for two or three. Yeah. And it's the whole idea, and we just give them advice along the way. We're like, you know what you should have done? As a leader, obviously, don't fuck all the people. And then, yeah. you know, don't believe, you know, we were talking about Waco. Uh, and I was like, hey, folks, like, I firmly believe, random side note, this is cult season. Like, we're in the perfect melting pot for cults to, to pop off again. Uh-huh. You've got obscene wealth with a very few. Yeah. You have great, you have a Grand Canyon of, of access to things, where people have access to everything and some only have access to, 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 to a few things and the majority don't have access to anything. Even the richest countries in the world are going through energy and food shortages. So you have guilt from the wealthy and the new wealthy, whether that's they sold their dot com or mom and dad died and they got the inheritance, they have they have they have wealth wealth guilt. Mm-hmm. You've got all these poor people. You have all this discomfort, and you know religion. Every decade, someone fails us. Right now, it's the the, the Hillsong people and you know the the Mormon guy running around, you know, marrying twelve year olds. You've got all those groups. So then what happens? Well, you get a charismatic person who's going to bring in, you know, 100, 200 homeless people. Mm-hmm. And then all you have to do is well, you win, win over one rich person. The poor people still stay poor. The rich person, they're poor because they've given up their money. Mm-hmm. And the cult leader now is rich and can, you know, do what they want to do. Go buy a ranch down in South America, tell people how they can take their own stuff. And be like, they didn't work. Have some Kool-Aid. But we're in cult season. We're in this manipulation cycle because every there, there's there's no clear path mm-hmm. for the next year forward. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be fascinating. Interesting. Really, yeah. I mean, I'm telling you, folks, you want to start a cult? Now's, now's the, the time. time. Get it. Now you don't need a lot, right? It's just like the just a good name. You need a good name, and you need one rich person. That Nexium yeah. cult guy, he had like four rich ladies. And some good Kool Aid. Good Kool Aid. Yeah. Preferably some nice Nikes and yeah. an Ambien. Yeah. You know, and condoms. A lot of condoms. Yeah. Hey, yeah, that's cult leaders. Yeah. Condoms. Yeah. I would like it if Trojan maybe did a cult condom. Where they're like, listen, if you're going to do this, protect yourself. And it, like, it's like Costco size. It yeah. It comes in a big, yeah. Because you've got a lot of people. You, a lot you know, of people that you lot, need to, yeah. A lot of things are happening. Yeah. In the, in the, in the cult. Did you uh, grow up in a religious household? Yes. Yes? Catholic. Catholic? Yeah. How was that? I mean, it was, it wasn't like crazy, like, but it was like every Sunday, go to church, Jesus loves you, there's a Do heaven. Do the drink and the, at, at, and the at wafer? At church, yeah, yeah. drink and the wafer. I mean, my mom wasn't really, in, my mom's kind of a germaphobe, she's not really into the wine, because she's like, how many people have touched that, and. You're like a lot, mom. I'll yeah. have your drink. so she didn't really do the wine. <laughs> oh, wow. No, but, um, but the wafer, for sure, we did. Uh, and we go to confession, so we could go because you can't just go to the wafer. You have to, you know, have all. Oh, your you sins. had to do the confession. Oh yeah. Wow. 
Which was so annoying because it was Saturdays at five, and you know who wants to get up on a Saturday? It's like we do this at Monday at seven when the weekend's gone, so I can really just you know knock this out. Yeah, it's interesting time time ever. Yeah, religion's interesting, right? I mean, obviously it's a focal point of Indiana Jones in in, in some capacity. Uh, You know, the 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 Lost Ark, if you will. Yeah. Man, if you watch the History Channel these days, right? It's aliens. Ghosts, gold. We're just trying to find old shit. There's, there's a lot of creepy in religion. There's a lot of creepy in religion. Yeah. There's a lot of weird shit in religion and cults. Yeah. And I don't, and I, I don't know where the line is. Right. I mean, it's like. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. It's. I, I make jokes with my, with my Christian friends. I'm like, hey, one. Well, isn't it weird that you call it Good Friday when that's the day he got nailed to the cross? Wouldn't it be Bad Friday? Interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's that's yeah. kind of a fucked up thing. Yeah. Um, as bad as Hitler was, there's still kids named Hitler around the world. No one's been named Judas that I know of. There's not a Judas in any class anywhere. Like that's the blacklist name. That's However, true. if you think about it, there's no Christianity without Judas. Yeah. So was he a bad guy? Or did Jesus go, "Hey, this is gonna suck for you." <laughs> right. But. But you're helping you can, us out. You got to sell me out. Yeah. The fact that Christianity took off. Yeah. Everyone thinks of the book of Acts, yeah. right? The speaking in tongues, the whole thing. Everyone forgets about Pompeii. Everyone forgets about that big fucking volcano that blew up, that the Romans were a part of, where all the slaves up there were Christians, and all they were talking about yeah. was Sodom and Gomorrah. And the last time we were slaves, God didn't like it. Right. And they're like, okay, let's have sex and then go clean the apartment. And then what happens? The volcano blows, and in the most intricate system of the time for communication, it fanned out that, uh-oh, and then Rome became Christian. Right. Like, they forget about all this other nuanced shit. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot. Like, even Noah's Ark. Yeah. Oh. Is, a, is an amazing story, but also, like, really? I don't know. No. I just, no. And all the animals just happily went on the boat and didn't kill each other, and... You know how many times I wanted that to happen again just because I loved that story? You're just like, can we just get a flood? Can we just get a flood so we can make a big boat and all hang out with the animals? Like, it just sounded fun. I mean, that's where my mind goes. This is why, as a single man, I have a hard time dating. Yeah. I don't go to bars. This is weird. I've been disease-free for almost 50 years. Like, I'm you know, not saying people drink at bars or have diseases. I'm just yeah. saying, like, you just make bad choices late at night drinking. Right. It just happens. Stay away from those. Go to a coffee shop. All I think about is everyone in here has to shit. Yeah. They're just figuring out if they're going to do it here or at home. Right. Imagine that arc. Where did oh. all the poop go? They'd have to go in the water. They'd have to. But then that's, you'd think that would be part of the, the intricate system. Yeah. And then what are you feeding them? Yeah. Are we really bringing two of everything? You have or to. Or yeah. you got to bring some extra giraffes for the lion's teeth. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Makes no sense. Yeah, it doesn't. No sense whatsoever. There's no way all the animals that came on the boat uh, got off the boat 40 days later or whatever. Like, no, no, some of them were eaten. Yeah, they were food for the lions. They were food for the lions. And then you think yeah. about, you know, and you ask me, they're like, well, I guess the unicorn didn't make it. No, well, unicorns still exist. I'm like, yeah, but a 40-foot-tall cheetah that's all neck. Yeah. We call it a giraffe. That fucking exists. Yeah. Well, if you explain it that way, it seems mythical. Life's mythical, asshole. I mean, it just is. It's weird. 
Yeah. Weird configuration. And religion only makes it weird. Yeah, there's just, I mean, there's so much that you believe as a child because I feel like you're brainwashed to believe it. And then one day you're just like, what? You know? Do you have that conversation with your parents? Do you look at them and go, hey, did you guys not think about all these things when you were bringing me up in the church? Or did, they, or, they, or did they just believe it in? They just accepted it? They just accepted it. And my mother, not so much. Like, my mother for years was like, I don't have as much faith as your father. Ha, 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 ha. My dad is hardcore. Like, you're going to heaven. You're going to see your Uncle Bob and Grandma Sue. Everyone's there. You're going to see them. Like, that's just my father. Mm-hmm. And I respect his choices. Like, that's sure. him, whatever. But, like, I think deep down my mom, she's not going to... I think I think that generation, I can't speak for all of them, but would almost prefer you have something than nothing. And then if you fall out of that at your own time, then, you know. Yeah, it's kind of that base, right? It's like, let me just give you the morals. Let me give you the thing of don't lie, don't cheat, yeah. don't steal. Be kind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Right. The beatitude stuff. And then you don't want it after that. You don't want it after that. But, I mean, they can't. Like, I haven't gone to church by my own will. Like, I'll go with my parents sometimes if I'm home. But I, I haven't had a wafer in a gazillion years. They taste great. Yes, I miss them. But, like, you know, they go, and I, I'm i like, okay. But it doesn't mean that if I'm dying tomorrow, I'm not going to be like, someone call me a priest. I just want to. Just one last confession? Just one last confession just for peace of mind. But, I mean, I'm thinking now we open a bar in New York City where they only serve wine and wafers, and it's called guilt. That's good. Right? The bartender, yeah. we're going to flip the script, though. The bartender is a nun, and the servers are priests. Interesting. Okay. Let's have some fun with this. Okay. Got to wear the whole gear. Yeah. Preferably in a church. We can find an abandoned church that COVID shut down. Yeah. Oh, there's some of those. There's yeah. some of those. Bright neon, red, obviously. Yeah. Guilt. Only red wine. Welcome to guilt. Only yeah. red wine. Only shitty wafers. Yeah. I don't like, know how someone hasn't come up with that yet. Yeah. Go ahead and take that, folks. You go ahead and take that. Huh. And there's a confessional, maybe a booth or something. Oh, that, that would corner, be fun. You know, you know, there's that weird documentary about the person who did the confessionals, where they opened up that phone number. You could just call and, and leave your secret. Uh, uh-uh, I don't know it. Oh, and the bit. First of all, it, it's the most because it's all voicemail shit. So there's always pictures and stuff. It's like, yeah, so I'm calling uh, from the payphone. This is the confessional line. I've murdered nine people, and you're like, I'm sorry. What's going on? No, is that real? That's real. Yeah. They're like finding out about murders. They're finding about uh, about theft. I mean, it started off as this innocent thing, and then people really started, and it's got, I mean, it's, just, it's crazy. Wait, they can't trace it back to who that person is. That they're calling. I mean, it just depends on how how well you hide yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I can. My buddy and I invented caller ID spoofing. I can call from my cell phone to yours and have any phone number I want pop up. Yeah. And it'll just route back to a server. It won't route back to That's me. That's crazy. Yeah. So it's pretty easy to do. I mean, at yeah. the end of the day, the back-end systems, it's like people who promote VPNs. Yeah. Uh, they don't work. If you already have Facebook on your phone or computer, it's already working outside of that VPN. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Like you, Unless you're going to get a computer straight from the factory with a VPN already on it before you load internet or anything else, it just doesn't matter. And it yeah. never will. Yeah. Which is, you know, but no one wants to say that part. Like, just fine. It'll, it'll be protected. Yeah. Ain't going to happen. Huh. We're wrapping up. I know you got a, you got a hard stop at two thirty. I'm wondering. Uh, last couple questions for you, please. 
One is, as the life of a traveling comic, someone who's just always on the road, what are the things you can't live without? Oh my God, on the road that I must take with me? You gotta take with you, yeah, you can't live without them. Uh, I mean, this is, they're silly. That's a fine. good pair of socks. Epic. My feet are always cold at night. Okay. I need a good pair of socks. You can do socks and then the, the sheets? Oh yeah. I what? mean, as a tall person. But doesn't person, it just, I'm a tall person, but the, 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 the sheet, then touching the sock, and then that, that friction doesn't. There's no friction. Okay. There's no. What kind of socks are you wearing that there's friction? What do you mean? I don't know. I got these little socks right here. My yeah, like cool. little, they have to be certain socks, like soft socks or okay. like sporty socks, like worn out socks are great. But just, I don't like being cold. I'm always cold. I think it's because my boyfriend, I joke around about this, but my boyfriend has high blood pressure and he's always hot. And he keeps the house warm with his heat. I'm telling you. I might have high blood pressure. I'm always warm. You are? Always. And uh, and when I'm in a hotel, I just, I need socks. I need to make sure I'm warm. Yeah. So a good pair of socks. Good pair of socks. And uh, I mean, the rest of it is, uh, I don't know. What else do I need? It's all the basic. I always keep the same I always bring my bathing suit in case there's a pool, like a good pool. Um, yeah, just like, you know, leggings, like a, I but know. The, the, I like the, the bathing suit thing, right? That, that to me is, is, is indicative of childhood. Like, are, are we're going to a hotel. Does it have a pool? Does it have a good pool? Yeah. Bullshit little no big bullshit hot tub. little sort of green pool. Oh. Like what happened in there? Kind of outside in the middle of the parking lot. Yeah. And they're like, I mean, you can swim. As soon as the hotel manager goes, I mean, you can swim, you know there's some weird shit in that pool. Or they'll be, I'll be like, sometimes, not as much anymore, but like when I first started doing the road, um, do you guys have a gym? And they'll be like, well, it's a fitness room. And it's Legit. just a room with a treadmill. Treadmill and that weird stack of weights. Yes, or not even those. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Just a couple of, 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 of cardio equipment that's real close together. Yes. And you're like, oh, I'm in by myself. It's fine. And then someone comes in. You're like, you were out last night, weren't you there, champ? <laughs> I can smell the whole <laughs> yes. thing. Yeah, it's like, I thank God those gyms have improved. But yeah, they used to be pretty Yeah, pretty they're bad. still pretty bad. Is there, yeah. uh, is there a place you won't go? Like a state or a city? State, city, country. Is there a place you won't go? I really, I mean, I Atlantic City, it depends on where. Casinos are the worst. The Borgata's great, don't get me wrong. But, like, <laughs> that's like a, a good little theater room in there. And the, have like, the one. The, the one, one good yeah. theater room on all of Jersey. But I think they used to have the Tropicana. I don't know if it's still there. And that was a nightmare. Um, but in general, casinos, like, oh. I have to say, some of the other ones weren't bad. But Atlantic City, if it's not the Borgata, I probably wouldn't go. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. La last thing for you here, please. Um, end of days. You're all set. Signed, sealed, delivered. I'm yours. It's all done. Who are you having your last meal with? And uh, what are you eating? My last meal would be with my sister. Oh, okay. And because uh, I never see her, she lives in Spain. Okay. So I'd want to see her 
um, again. And what would I eat? Yeah. Oh my God, steak is all I can think of. A just a beautiful like medium steak, juicy. Um, probably some potatoes or French fries. I don't know. Ooh, steak frites. Maybe steak frites. Yeah, a nice glass of wine. Oh, okay. Chocolate mousse for dessert. Oh, very nice. Yeah, maybe appetizer like oysters. Or, I don't know. Some Doing those oysters raw or in the half shell broiled with some fun stuff on top? No, raw. Raw? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Well, so, podcast, when we close it out, there's always at the very end, my daughter singing about the first time she took a shit by herself. Oh. Which is hilarious, and I love it. But more importantly is, is, is this part, and I like to say it to every guest, because it's true and it, mean, it means a lot to me. You know, we can go to the store and buy anything. Go buy avocados and bread. It'll go bad in those pesky little fucking avocados. Every time you think it's ready, it's not. Uh, you want yeah. it. It's rotten. But you get to go back and buy more. You get to keep playing this stupid game. Yes. Time is the one thing you never get back. Time is the one constant that we know that when it's spent, it's spent. And there's nothing you can do to get it back. Mm. And for me to send you a random email and you to reply and then spend damn near two hours with me just chatting <laughs> it's yeah. fucking amazing and it blows my mind and it, 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 it brings me great humility in, in, in that you would you would share that time with me with something you can't get back and so thank you very much I just I really realized I can't it. get it back you can't get it back You're, it's oh my god I have to go <laughs> no thank you this was fun and I got to like watch a little bit I know we, we got clips movie. of the movie playing I unmute over here at the, uh, with the you know she's getting in the airplane we're having some fun uh, and it really is. It's a, it's a cheap excuse to kind of have a fun conversation and for people to learn more about you, hopefully in some ways that in questions that uh, that normal people don't don't ask and don't have insights to uh, or don't, you know, I don't know. Yeah. But thank you for this. I hope you enjoy your time in Austin. For sure. Thank you. You know, do you, uh, you have, uh, if there's anything you need while you're here in town, do not be, do not hesitate to reach out. I'm a local here. I've been here for almost, for over 13 years. Wow. Okay. Happy to make a call or send a message to uh, get you into a place if you need to or if you need a recommendation for good food or anything. Don't Thank hesitate you. to reach out. Thanks for coming by Ibel. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for being awesome. Folks, before we go, one last time, where can they find you? Where do they get at you? Where's the best place if Come someone on, wants people. to see your stuff? At Carmen Comedian on Instagram would be the place to go. If you want to go to TikTok and all the other ones, if you want to Venmo me, that's fine too. It's all the same at Carmen Comedian. But my tour dates are CarmenLynch.com. There you go, party people. Well, there it is. Carmen, can't thank you enough. Really appreciate it. Enjoy your time with Moon Tower here in Austin, Texas. Thank you. Safe travels back home. Uh, you do me one favor, please? When you get home, just give your boyfriend a really big high five and a slap on the ass and go, that's from talking during movies. Okay. <laughs> All right, folks, here it is, the time when Harper sings about the first time she took a shit by herself. Enjoy.